Chapter 11 of The Side of the Angels by Basil King. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Simon Evers. Chapter 11 By the time his anger had cooled down, Thor regretted the words with which he had left his father's presence, and continued to regret them. They were braggart and useless. Whatever he might feel impelled to do, for either Leonard Willoughby or Jasper Fay, he could do better without announcing his intentions beforehand. He experienced a sense of guilt when, on the next day, and for many days afterward, his father showed by his manner that he had been wounded. Lois Willoughby showed that she, too, had been wounded. The process of easing the first one off, besides affording him sidelights on a woman's heart, involved him in an erratic course of blowing hot and cold that defeated his own ends. When he blew cold, the chill was such that he blew hotter than ever to disperse it. He could see for himself that this seeming capriciousness made it difficult for Lois to preserve the equal tenor of her bearing, though she did her best. He had kept away from her for a week or more, and would have continued to do so longer, had he not been haunted by the look his imagination conjured up in her eyes. He knew its trouble, its bewilderment, its reflected heartache. "'I'm a damned cad,' he said to himself, and whenever he worked himself up to that point, remorse couldn't send him quickly enough to pay her a visit of atonement. He knew she was at home because he met one or two of the county street ladies coming away from the house. With knowing looks they told him he should find her. They did not, however, tell him that she had another visitor, whose voice he recognised while depositing his hat and overcoat on one of the regency chairs in the tapestried square hall. "'Oh, don't go yet,' Lois was saying. "'Here's Dr. Thor Masterman. He'll want to see you.' but Rosie insisted on taking her departure, making polite excuses for the length of her call. She was deliciously pretty. He saw that at once on entering. Wearing the new winter suit for which she had pinched and saved, and a hat of the moment's fashion, she easily dazzled Thor, though Lois could perceive in details of material the cheapness that in American eyes is the most damning of all qualities. Rosie's face was bright with the flush of social triumph, for the county street ladies had been kind to her, and she had had tea with all the ceremony of which she read in the accredited annals of good society. If she had not been wondering whether or not the county street ladies knew her brother was in jail, she could have suppressed all other causes for anxiety and given herself freely to the hour's bliss. But she would not be persuaded to remain, taking her leave with a full command of graceful niceties. Thor could hardly believe she was his fairy of the hothouse. She was a princess, a marvel. "'Beats them all,' he said gleefully to himself, referring to the ladies of County Street, and almost including Lois Willoughby. He did not quite include her. He perceived that he couldn't do so, when, after having bowed Rosie to the door, he returned to take his seat in the drawing-room. There was a distinction about Lois, he admitted to himself, that neither prettiness nor fine clothes nor graceful niceties could rival.' He wondered if she wasn't even more distinguished since this new something had come into her life. Was it joy or grief, which he himself had brought there? Her greeting to him was of precisely the same shade as all her greetings during the past two months. It was like something rehearsed and executed to perfection. When she had given him his tea and poured another cup for herself, they talked of Rosie. "'Do you know,' she said in a musing tone, I think the poor little thing has really enjoyed being here this afternoon.' 
Why shouldn't she? Yes, but why should she? Apart from the very slight novelty of the thing, which to an American girl is no real novelty after all, I don't understand what it is she cares so much about. He weighed the question seriously. She finds a world of certain, what should I say, of certain amenities to which she's equal. Anyone can see that, and which she hasn't got. That's something in itself to a girl with imagination. I think she's in love, Lois said suddenly. Thor was startled. Oh, no, she isn't. She can't be. Who on earth could she be in love with? Oh, it's not with you. Don't be alarmed, Lois smiled. It was so like Thor to be shy of a pretty girl. He had been so ever since she could remember him. That's good, he managed to say. He regained control of himself, though he tingled all over. It would have to be with me or Dr. Hillary. We're the only two men, except the Italians, who ever appear on the place. Oh, you don't know, Lois said pensively. Girls like that often have what they call, rather picturesquely, a fellow. Oh, don't! His cry was instantly followed by a nervous laugh. He felt obliged to explain. It's so funny to hear you talk like that. It doesn't go with your style. She took this pleasantly, and they spoke of other things, but Thor was eager to get away. A real visit of atonement had become impossible. That must be put off for another day, perhaps for ever. He wasn't sure. He couldn't tell. For the minute his head was in a whirl. He hardly knew what he was saying, except that his rejoinders to Lois's remarks were more or less at random. Vital questions were pounding through his brain and demanding an answer. Who knew but that with regard to Rosie she was right, and yet wrong? Women with their remarkable powers of divination didn't always hit the nail directly on the head. It might be the case with Lois now. She might be right in her surmise that Rosie was in love, and mistaken in those light and cruel words, Oh, not with you. He didn't suppose it was with him. And yet? And yet? He got away at last, and tore through the winter twilight toward the old apple orchard above the pond. He knew what he would say. Rosie, are you in love with anyone? If so, for God's sake, tell me. What he would do when she answered him was matter outside his present capacity for thought. It had begun to snow. By the time he reached the house on the hill, his shoulders were white. The necessity for shaking himself in the little entry gave the first prosaic chill to his ardour. Rosie had returned and was preparing supper. The princess and Marvel had resolved herself again into the fairy of the hothouse. Not that Thor minded that. What disconcerted him was her dry little manner of surprise. She had not expected him. There was nothing in her mother's condition to demand his call. She herself was busy. She had come from the kitchen to answer the door. A smell of cooking filled the house. No one of these details could have kept him from carrying out his purpose, but together they were unromantic. How could he adjure her to tell him, for God's sake, whether or not she was in love with anyone, when he saw she was afraid that something was burning on the stove? He could only stammer out excuses for having come. Inventing on the spot new and incoherent directions for the treatment of Mrs. Fay, he took himself away again, not without humiliation. Being in a savage mood as he stalked down the hill, he was working himself into a rage when an unexpected occurrence gave him other things to think of. At the foot of the hill, just below the slope of the square, was the terminus of the electric tram line from the city. In summer it was a pretty spot, well shaded by ornamental trees, 
with a small Gothic church and its parsonage in the centre of a trimly kept lawn. It was prettier still as Thor Masterman approached it, at the close of a winter's day, with the great soft flakes heaping their beauty on roof and shrub and roadway, the whole lit up with plenty of cheerful electricity, and no eye to behold it but his own. Because of this purity and solitude, a black spot was the more conspicuous, and because it was a moving black spot, it caught the onlooker's glance at once. It was a moving black spot, though it remained in one place, on the cement seat that circled a copper beech tree for the convenience of villagers awaiting for the cars. It was extraordinary that anyone should choose this uninviting, snow-covered resting-place, unless he couldn't do otherwise. The doctor in Thor was instantly alert, but before advancing many paces he had made his guess. Patients were beginning to take his time, were entering his afternoons less free, and so what might have been expected had happened. Mr. Willoughby had managed to come homeward by the electric car, but was unable to go any farther. Nevertheless, Thor was startled as he crossed the roadway to hear a great choking sob. The big creature was huddled somehow on the seat, but with face and arms turned to the trunk of the tree, against whose cold bark he wept. He wept shamelessly aloud, with broken exclamations of which, "'Oh, my God! Oh, my God!' was all that Thor could hear distinctly. "'It's delirium this time, for sure,' he said to himself, and he laid his hand on the great snow-heaped shoulder. He changed his mind on that score as soon as Mr. Willoughby was able to speak coherently. "'I'm heartbroken, Thor. Haven't touched a thing today, scarcely. But I'm all in.' More sobs followed. It was with difficulty that Thor could get the lumbering body on its feet. "'You mustn't stay here, Mr. Willoughby. You'll catch a cold. Come along home with me.' "'I don't want to go home, Thor. Got no home now. Ruined, that's where I am. Ruined. Your father's kicked me out. All my money gone. Not a cent left in the world.' Thor dragged him onward. "'But you must come home just the same, Mr. Willoughby. You can't stay out here.' "'The next car will be along in a minute, and everyone will see you.' "'I don't care who sees me, Thor. I'm ruined. "'Father says I'll have to go. Got all the papers ready. "'Oh, my God, what'll Bessie say?' "'As they stumbled forward through the snow, Thor tried to learn what had happened. "'Got all my money, and then kicked me out,' was the only explanation. "'Not a cent in the world. "'What'll Bessie say? Oh, what'll Bessie say? "'All her money.' "'Hasn't got a hundred thousand dollars left out of the great big estate. "'Make away with myself. That's what I'll do. "'Oh, my God! My God!' "'On arriving in front of the house, Thor saw lights in the drawing-room. "'Lois was probably still there. "'It was no more than a half-hour since he had left her, "'and other callers might have succeeded him. "'He tried to steer his charge round the corner towards the side entrance in Willoughby's Lane. "'But Len grew querulous.' "'I don't want to go in the side door. "'Go in the front door. Hang it all. "'Father can't turn me out of my own house, infernal hound!' "'The door opened, and Lois stood in the oblong of light. "'Oh, what is it?' she cried, peering outward. "'Is it you, Thor? What's the matter?' "'Treat me like a servant,' Willoughby complained, "'as, with Thor supporting him, he stumbled up the steps. "'I didn't want to go in the side door. "'Front door good enough for me.' "'No confounded kitchen boy, if I am ruined.' "'Oh, here, Lois,' he 
he rambled on when he got into the hall, and Thor was helping him to take off his overcoat. "'Look here, Lois, we haven't got a cent of the world. That's what we haven't got, not a cent of the world. Archie Marston's got my money, and your money, and your mother's money, and the whole damn money of all of us. Keep me out now. No good to him any more.' With some difficulty, Thor got him to his room, where he undressed him and put him to bed. On his return to the hall he found Lois seated in one of the armchairs, her face pale. "'Oh, Thor, is that what you meant a few weeks ago?' He did his best to explain the situation to her gently. "'I don't know just what's happened, but I'm afraid there's trouble ahead.' She nodded. "'Yes, I've been expecting it, and now I suppose it's come.' "'I shouldn't wonder if it had. But you must be brave, Lois, and not think matters worse than they are.' Oh, "'I shan't do that,' she said, with a hint of haughtiness at his solicitude. "'Don't worry about me. I am quite capable of bearing whatever's to be borne. Please go on.' "'If anything has happened,' he said, speaking from where he stood in the middle of the floor, "'it's that Father wants to dissolve the partnership.' "'I've been looking for that. So has Mamma. "'And if they do dissolve the partnership, I'm afraid, "'I'm afraid there'll be very little money coming to Mr. Willoughby.' "'Whose fault would that be?' "'Frankly, Lois, I don't know. "'It might be that of my father, or of yours. "'And I shouldn't think you'd want to find out.' "'He looked down at her curiously. "'Why do you say that? Shouldn't you?' "'She seemed to shiver. "'Why should I? "'If the money's gone, it's gone. "'Whether my father has squandered it, or your father has—' "'She rose and crossed the hall to the stairs.' where, with a foot on the lowest of the steps, she leaned on the pilaster of the balustrade. "'I don't want to know,' she said with energy. "'If the money's gone, they've shuffled it away between them, and I don't see that it would help either you or me to find out who's to blame.' It was a minute at which Thor could easily have brought out the words which for so many years he had supposed he would one day speak to her. His pity was such that it would have been a luxury to tell her to throw all the material part of her care on him. If he could have said that much, without saying more, he would have had no hesitation. But there was still a chance of the miracle happening with regard to Rosie Fay. Love was love, and sweet. It was first love, and in its way it was young love. It was springtide love. The dew of the morning was on it, and the freshness of sunrise. It was hard to renounce it, even to go to the aid of one whose need of him was so desperate that to hide it she turned her face away. Instead of the words of cheer and rescue that were almost gushing to his lips, he said soberly, "'Has your mother any idea of what's going on?' She began pacing restlessly up and down. "'Oh, she's been worried for the last few weeks. She couldn't help knowing something. Papa's been dropping so many hints that she's been meaning to see your father.' "'I suppose it will be very hard for her.' She paused, confronting him. "'It will be at first. "'But she'll rise to it. She does that kind of thing. "'You don't know, Mother. Very few people do. "'She simply adores Papa. It's pathetic. "'All this time that he's been so—so— "'She won't recognise it. She won't admit for a second, "'or let me admit it, that he's anything but tired or ill. "'It's splendid, and yet there's something about it that almost breaks my heart. "'Mamma has lots of pluck, you know. You mightn't think it. "'Oh, I know it.' "'I'm glad you do. "'People in general see only one side of her, "'but it's not the only side. 
She has her weaknesses, I see that well enough. She's terribly a woman, and she can't grow old. But that's not criminal, is it? There's a great deal in her that's never been called on, and perhaps this trouble will bring it out. He spoke admiringly. It will bring out a great deal in you. She began again to pace up and down. Oh, me, I'm so useless, I've never been of any help to anyone. Do you know at times latterly I've envied that little rosy fay? Why? Because she's got duties and responsibilities and struggles. She's got something more to do than dress and play tennis and make calls. There are people who depend on her. She's splendid, isn't she? She paused in her restless pacing. She might be. She is, very nearly. Though he had taken the opportunity to get further away from the appeal of her distress, he felt a pang of humiliation in the promptness with which she followed his lead. But he couldn't go on with the discussion. It was too sickening. Every inflection of her voice implied that, with her own need, he had no longer anything to do, that it was all over, that she recognised the fact, that she was trying her utmost to let him off easily. That she should suspect the truth, or connect the change with Rosie Fay, he knew was out of the question. It was not the way in which her mind would work. If she accounted for the situation at all, it would probably be on the ground that, when it came to the point, he had found that he didn't care for her. The promises he had tacitly made, and she had tacitly understood, she was ready to give back. He was quite alive to the fact that her generosity made his impotence the more pitiable. That he should stand tongue-tied and helpless before the woman whom he had allowed to think that she could count on him, was galling not only to his manhood, but to all those primary instincts that sent him to the aid of weakness. There was a minute in which it seemed to him that if he did not on the instant redeem his self-respect, it would be lost to him for ever. After all, he did care for her, in a way. There was no woman in the world toward whom he felt an equal degree of reverence. More than that, there was no woman in the world whom he could admit so naturally to share his life, whose life he himself could so naturally share. If Rosie were to marry him, the whole process would be different. In that case, there would be no sharing, there would be nothing but a wild, gypsy joy. His delight would be to heap happiness upon her, content with her acceptance, and the very little which was all he could expect her to give him in return. With Lois Willoughby, it would be equality, partnership, companionship, and a life of mutual comprehension and respect. That would be much, of course. It was what a few months ago he would have thought enough. It was plainly that with which he must manage to be satisfied. He was about to plunge in, to plunge in with one last backward look to the more exquisite joys he must leave behind, and tell her that his strength and loyalty were hers to dispose of as she would have, when she herself unwittingly balked the impulse. It was still to hold open to him the way of escape that she continued to speak of Rosie. If she were to marry some nice fellow like Jim Breen, for instance. Fall bounded. Like who? She was too deeply preoccupied with her own emotions to notice his. He was attentive to her for a long time once. He cried out incredulously. Oh, no, it couldn't be. She's too, too superior. I'm afraid the superiority is just the trouble, though I don't know anything about it beyond the gossip one hears in the village. Anyone who goes to so many of the working people's houses as I do hears it all. 
he was still incredulous. "'And you've heard that?' "'I've heard that poor Jim wanted to marry her, and she wouldn't look at him. "'It's a pity, I think. "'She'd be a great deal happier in marrying a man with the same kind of ways as herself "'than she'd be with someone. "'I can only put it,' she added with a rueful smile, "'in a way you don't like, Thor, "'than she'd be with someone of another station in life.' "'His heart pounded so that he could hardly trust himself to speak with the necessary coolness. "'Is there any question of... "'Of any one of another station in life?' "'No, only that if she is in love, "'and of course I'm only guessing at it, "'I think it's very likely to be with someone of that kind.' "'The statement, which was thrown out with gentle indifference, "'affected him so profoundly "'that had she again declared that it was not with him, "'he could have taken it with equanimity. "'With whom else could it be? "'It wasn't with Antonio, and it wasn't with Dr. Hilary. "'There was the choice.' Were there any other rival, he couldn't help knowing it. He had sometimes suspected—no, it was hardly enough for suspicion. He had sometimes hoped, but it had been hardly enough for hope. And yet, sometimes, when she gave him that dim, sidelong smile, or turned to him with the earnest, wide-open look in her greenish eyes, he thought that possibly—just possibly— He didn't know what answers he made to her further remarks. A faint memory remained with him of— talking incoherently against reason, against sentiment, against time, as, with her velvety regard resting upon him sadly, he swung on his overcoat and hurried to take his leave. End of chapter 11